episode 50, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Justin Zarati, author of Made for These Times. Justin Zarati is the founder of These Numbers Have Faces, a social enterprise investing in the next generation of African leaders. After 10 years of running the organization, Justin successfully transitioned and is now the president of Giving Fuel, an innovative fundraising platform empowering thousands of organizations worldwide. He's the author of two books, Made for These Times and Doing Work That Matters. He holds a BA in Communication Studies from Westmont College and an MA in International Conflict Resolution from Portland State University. An obsessive soccer fan and weekend landscaper, Justin lives with his family in Portland, Oregon. The teacher in Ecclesiastes wrote, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. While it's important to work, it's also important to rest and recognize your dependence on God. As we do this, we find God works in seasons in our lives. At times, we're moving quickly and our schedules are full, but other times, he calls us back to rest and dependence on him. In this chapter, Justin tells his story of stepping away from the company he founded and what it was like to face an identity crisis. What he found in the aftermath of that decision was a call to rest and a call to remember who he was in Christ. And from that place, God moved him again into another season of fulfilling work. I want to go back, and I do want to ask you then about leaving um, this organization mm. after 10 years, just because you brought it up, and it is interesting. So why did you leave? What brought that about? Yeah, man, and gosh, there's some pain here. I mean, there's um, there's burnout. Um, I was doing 100,000 miles a year on an airplane, you know, and— um, gone for weeks at a time. My daughter was born in 2014 and, um, being away from them. And that was hard. My wife being frustrated with that. Um, it was just, I was tired of that. I was tired of being gone so much. Um, it was hard on my body, hard on my mind. Um, uh, yeah, I was kind of, I felt like I was missing out on some family stuff first and foremost. Um, and then gosh, in the process of growing organizations, uh, there's, there's challenges, there's, uh, governance challenges. We have, you have board, you have staff, we have a team. We were, you know, we grew to like, you know, a few million dollar a year organization in regards to fundraising and, um, the pressures that come from that. And after doing it for 10 years and the grind, and I'm someone that just works re really, really hard. And I kind of definitely kind of just ground myself down. I didn't rest well. Um, I faced some of those same things that I talked about around personal health, you know, that I just like, didn't take breaks well, didn't vacation well, just was, I was hyped. I was excited. I love the mission. I was dialed in, you know, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a special ability from God to just fight and fight and fight and fight and just finally just like break your head through the wall type of thing, which is fine, but it causes challenges too. And, um, yeah, just kind of hit a stage in life where I felt like it was time. So after 10 years, um, it kind of happens. And it's funny, I was on a call with like an older mentor of mine, a guy, you know, who's like my dad's age and was kind of, you know, emoting to him about how hard it was and blah, blah. And then he said something like, oh, so it's been 10 years. I was like, yeah, he goes, yeah, that's about right. Probably time for a uh, change. <laughs> and like, so simple, just like, like, just straight, like, like, like a business, you know, yeah. like 
no emotion in that. Just like, yeah, I mean, it's part of sort of the, the human process even as you kind of evolve throughout your career, you know, as I was kind of coming into my like mid thirties, you know, it was just sort of time to, to make a change. And so, but in that process, man, I had to unravel these like barbs that were tied into my heart of it, you know, and had to remove some of that identity stuff. And I remember being on the phone with my brother when I finally realized it had to be done and like crying on my porch because I could not believe that I would ever like give away this thing that I love so much. And it was like my child, it was painful. And then one final story that I think the way that, and I talk about it in the book, the way that God finally made it real. I think he'd, he'd been prodding me for a while, like that it was time. Um, and I, I made the decision. I told my board, it was kind of a big shock and we had to kind of think through transition plan and all. And I, um, I parked my car and I was walking toward my office and near my office downtown, there's this group of uh, day laborers that kind of hang out there and try and get work, you know, to do various things. And I, I see these dudes every day and I've kind of built some relationships, always had a little bit of guilt that I would go in my office and like help folks 7,000 miles away mm-hmm. when like there were dudes like right here that, mm-hmm. you know, were, were probably the most like marginalized people in our city. Okay. Um, and so I'm walking toward my office and this young guy, comes up next to me that I just assumed was a part of that group. He had like a hat, I remember. And he said, um, he said, smile. And I was like, why? And he's like, he's like, I can see that you're going through some pain right now. And I was like, man, what are you talking about? Like, don't like, who, who are you? Who sent you kind of thing? And he said, just know that the, uh, that he said, have confidence in the decision that you have made. Hmm. And I was like, what? Like, who, who are you? He said, and then he, it gets kind of weird. He goes, you know, the words homicide, genocide, and suicide. I was like, yeah, this is weird. And he said the root word, the root word of those in Latin is side, which means finality. It means it is finished. And again, this is a like day laborer, uh, marginalized person in my city, you know, maybe I'm assuming wouldn't know Latin roots of words. That's maybe a stereotype, but that, you know, I was like completely blown away. And, and I'm like, okay. And then he kind of melts into this group of guys and I, you know, walk up to my office and then I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the Lord clearly like sent this guy at the final moment to finally like hammer into me, like, Justin, you've made your decision, stick with it. So then I run out to the window and I look, try and find him. Of course, I've never seen him again. He, oh, wow. I didn't recognize him. And so is it, you know, did God send him? Is he an angel? Is he just some dude who, you know, I don't know, yeah. but it was kind of like what I needed then. But again, what's so fasc- fascinating about it, he didn't use... Like the Lord didn't use a friend of mine. He, he didn't use a pastor. He didn't use some like famous person. He used like the most, again, I, I keep using the same phrase, but the most like marginalized person kind of in society today in some ways to tell me this thing. Um, I find that fascinating and compelling mm-hmm. in some ways, especially based on the work that I've been doing and kind of where I've put a lot of my priorities for many years. So yeah, uh, yeah fascinating experience that I think he, he that the Lord clearly dictated to, finally get me to see that I, I needed to move away from this thing. That's incredible. Um, how do you describe your vocation now then? Because uh, obviously you, you, especially early on, you had so much of your identity wrapped up in, into that. Um, how, how do you see that now having transitioned out? Yeah. So now I, I run a division of a software company called Giving Fuel. Uh, so I'm the president of, of Giving Fuel. We're an online donation platform. Um, and man, what I love about it is that I get to coach nonprofits and fundraising and marketing and storytelling, how you use tools to raise money online, how to build campaigns, all the stuff that I sort of taught myself how to do and 
and kind of work through uh, when I was running These Numbers Have Faces, I now get to pass that on uh, in a way um, at at scale even, which is, I think, a lot of fun mm-hmm. for me and to do the coaching and all. So it's a really great leap for me in terms of taking what I've learned to share with others. So I love that. I love the coaching aspect. Um, but man, I'll tell you, I think that, um, man, I worked from home and, and have for a long time now, be it a, a pandemic or not. And I'm here when my kids come home from school. I don't fly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I play in the backyard with my with my kids after work. And in this season, it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so vocationally, I've also realized and learned, I think that there are seasons in life and that God sets us up for certain things at certain times. I think C.S. Lewis talks about it as like a new meadow that we kind of move into um, that are just, yeah, just different times. And so I think that also people need to realize that that there are seasons and that there's times where you're meant to grind at 25 in this job that you hate to get to the next thing. And then there's times where you grow a lot and do great stuff. And then you've got to give that away to get to the next thing. And I'll tell you from a, a standpoint of happiness, of contentment, of connection to my family, uh, my spiritual life, uh, Christ calling on, um, on, on finding peace, which I didn't used to really believe in. Mm. Um, and now I do. And, uh, because I, I kind of live it a little bit differently. I'm in a season where I think I'm meant to be, to be doing what I'm doing because my kids are six and two. And I do think that there's going to be a time where it's going to change mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. And I have to be okay and waiting for that as opposed to trying to force it, which I think a lot of folks force their vocations and I want to really try and not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a, uh, a guest on actually it was a pr- former professor. Um, and he likes to say, you know, your vocation never changes, but the occupation does. Mm. Yeah, there you go. And so, like from from what you've just described, I see very much as your vocation still being the same. I mean, you're still helping people help other people. You're just kind of doing it, you know, once more more step removed in this season. Um, but but you're still very much passionate about the same thing. And so, um, that's that's same thing. Yeah. Yep. And I think that that he's totally right. And that the vocation, um, yeah, is that universal thread. And then you find other ways to do it. And I think, frankly, ironically, and I don't mean to like. I dig on folks who make sandwiches at, at Subway because it's it's fun. But I think that honestly, like I could do that and mm. serve people in a great way and make a good sandwich and feel and feel good about it. Yeah, and I think that's like that's actually a a, a good thing. So I didn't want to you know kind of like make it sound bad or anything. But the reality is that yeah, the the vocation does kind of roll through every single season, every single meadow. But the job does change, and I think that's kind of the process. And I think. The earlier that young people can learn that, I think is helpful because mm-hmm. there is that whole culture around, I got to like crush it by the time I'm 27 or something. And that just, uh, I think it probably hurts more than it helps. Mm-hmm. So often we go through, we go through those seasons and we think we have to just move forward into the next thing. And what I'm finding is mm-hmm. God so often, I mean, yeah, we absolutely have one vocation that we, that we kind of, it, it, it's what we're wired to do for the rest of our lives. And um, I think we look at seasons sometimes as changes or shifts in really our identity. But what I'm finding is that as we move through those seasons, God is uh, teaching us different things at different times while still keeping who we are and what we're wired to do the same. Uh, and so like for me, I mean, I've gone from uh, working here at, at Global University and then I went up to Iowa and did some uh, work at a campgrounds there doing uh, some development work for them, and then move back here to to Springfield to work at a university again. And each one of those times, 
my calling was really discipleship and and helping people have uh, what I call those aha moments where they start to see mm. God's just God's beauty in a, in a way that they never have before. And it makes them fall in love with him all over again. And what I was doing before I moved to Iowa was uh, very one-on-one. I was doing some associate youth pastor stuff at the time, and uh, it was very one-on-one in relation. When I moved up to Iowa, it was still the same, but it was in a little bit larger scale. And I was doing that with groups, uh, with different uh organizations that were coming out and doing some of our, our challenge low ropes courses and, and obstacle courses, things like that. Um, but it was in that time that God really kind of broke me down and I hate to use the word deconstructed, but he really deconstructed <laughs> my, my worldview that was built around uh, my identity being wrapped up in what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's brought me back here and Chris and I have been doing this uh, daily growth discipleship stuff. And we, we had another uh, previous organization before this. Uh, where we were doing a lot of the same thing. And the last six years has been still about discipleship and helping people grow and have those aha moments. But it's been uh, a different way of looking at that same lesson. And so totally. the more I'm fine, the, the more I talk to people, the more uh, I hear stories like yours. God really does lead us through seasons, uh, both for our benefit, for our own personal growth, and for the benefit of those around us. And it's I just find it cool the way he orchestrates those things and he weaves, he weaves a tapestry that only he can weave. And it's, it's incredible 100%. to me. Totally, man. It's weird that a lot of the, um, the stuff that I get from him nowadays, early on when I was getting this thing going, it was, um, he, him inspiring me to be courageous, right. And to step out in faith and to go for it and take risks. And I'm behind you and I love you. And, um, the stuff now, because I think it does change because he it just, as you said, he weaves the tapestry. Now it's like, stop. <laughs> no, literally yeah. stop. Like rest in me, find peace in me. You know, I, I built this little like area in my back, my backyard behind my shed. I have like this little Creek in my back, my backyard. Mm. And I put a bench there and like play, I uh, planted some ferns in it. I call it Endor from nice. uh, return <laughs> of the Jedi. And, um, you know, to me, it's like, that's my job right now. You know, mm. it's to like go to Endor and sit on this bench and stop, you know, and that's like the most radically, you know, spiritual thing in my life right now, which like 25 year old Justin is like completely turned off by that, you know, in some ways, because that is not who I was then. You know, it was like all about getting out there in the action, fighting against injustice and all the rest. Right. But again, it's these seasons, it changes. Mm-hmm. And right now it's me literally sitting on my bench every day and then loving my, my uh, kids and my wife really, really well preparing, I think for myself, resting well, mm-hmm. getting new habits built, getting tight closer to him, preparing for the next season, whatever it is yeah. and not, and not, and not forcing it, but just stopping. And I just kind of never thought that that's sort of what the spiritual life was. Cause I didn't know. I thought it was this like, action-based mm-hmm. thing because that's kind of where I was at when I was 25 and times change and I think that it's good and that and that will come back again and I'll have new skills and new tools and uh, a new understanding going forward. Yeah. No, and you bring up something else that's really important there is that um, you demonstrate a dependence on God by recognizing that it's okay for you to take a break rather than to constantly be pushing and fighting for injustices because again, it's like I, I struggle with this because, again, I read your book and I hear some of the inspiring stories and some of the stuff that just comes out of like, uh, 
you know, like these refugee camps and your heart just breaks and you're like, man, like, what can I do? Like, I've got to, I got to get on this. I need to do it. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm in the United States. I'm extremely (laughs) blessed, extremely, you know, on and on and on it goes like, what can I, I should be doing more. And then you start, you can start feeling really, really bad about yourself for having not done more. But I think you said something really like, there's always going to be injustices around us. And I don't think that's a, that, that is in no way shape an excuse for letting them uh, yeah. continue. But I think, I think what you've said is really important because it demonstrates that you, you can't change or stop all of the injustices yourself. Like we individually just aren't strong enough. And so I think it goes back to what you're talking about. It has to be those little tiny things that we're able to do each and every day. And so like right now, yeah, it might be resting. It might be making sure that, you know, as a father, you don't screw up your kids psychologically so that they're, you know, they can grow up to be well-adjusted people who love Jesus and can go out there and and do what God has called them to do. And so. uh, Well, dude, that's so smart. And what I've learned is that again it's about a season in life and what you can do in the capacity that you're in and the city where you are that fits into your life and you, you need to like, stretch yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable of course mm-hmm. you know but with that um if it's not the right time for you to get on a plane and go somewhere across the world to do things of course there are things and the way that i've been able to reconcile it because frankly i felt and i still feel a little bit of guilt based on the thing that i used to do and I used to I used to work internationally and I was in yeah, refugee camps and various places and got to do a lot of good work. And I miss that. I miss like the impact. I miss the feeling of that, the connection, the fact that I, I got to just be like along for the ride that I got to follow God into some really cool things and cool stories. I miss that. But what I get to do now, um, besides the, the, the family stuff, is that, you know, I, I'm really pretty close with the refugee community here in Portland. And there's a group of like seven guys that were actually part of our program in the, in the past and actually live here now based on some UN stuff that I won't, I won't go into. And it stopped now because of a, of a COVID stuff, but every month uh, the guys would come over to our house and we have a hot tub and like me and them, like get in the hot tub and stay up like two in the morning Mm. and like hang out together on a Friday night. And like, that's the thing that I get to do that like connects me back to the stuff that I used to do but I'm in kind of this new season of life and I'm still connected and still linked in and it just fits in for the, the season that I'm in. And so, yeah, you're right. Like you cannot look at the problems in the world or around the country or, or in your city and think, well, you know, it's not the right season for me. And like use that as a tool to not do anything. So you, you have to do something. Um, but it can be something, something local, something small, something, you know, in your neighborhood, something wherever. And you do need to stretch yourself mm-hmm. for those things. I think that we do need to step out in those things, but but the problem is that there is that like guilt that folks will see like, oh, I don't work for the global food program, so I'm not going to do anything, yeah. you know, type of mm-hmm. thing like that, I think is sort of the wrong perspective. And, um, you know, I love when you see great opportunities come up in your church or things like that to step out and do stuff locally. Uh, I think that is important for us to do. Um but really kind of leaning into where God is leading you in this time. That's great. Cause I was going to ask you about how people could go about getting started and, and some of that stuff. So you've kind of already answered that. And I would like to point out in, in most major cities and even some not major cities, there, there are refugees and, and marginalized people that you've probably never even heard of that. There are organizations that are reaching out to them. And so you should uh, oh, definitely check those. Like Absolutely. I know like even here in Springfield, which is a, a extremely, it's known as being like an extremely homogenous white, 
area. And like, if you go around, you uh, you know th- that's that's what you see. But man, there are like big pockets of uh, of refugees and, and certain ethnic groups that that like. Um, I, I had a friend who was uh, like Romanian, and then like there's like a whole Romanian community out there well, where they're just like you know gathering every. every I used to go over to his house on Sundays, and so like we would just make like the biggest feast ever, and so like it was it was a great time. But uh. and honestly, it is the coolest thing, and I always recommend this. There's um, so let's see, the Lutherans do it, the Catholics do it. There's a few other groups that have kind of national programs for uh, refugee resettlement, and that was like a lot of the work that I was doing in East Africa. And there's whole programs where like you can volunteer to show up at the airport when someone shows up with a sign saying "Welcome." And, and to help carry their bag, like to a van to then get them to their home. And then the folks who need help, like they're going to the store for the first time ever and (laughs) learning about how you buy food, how you open up a bank, uh, how you do various things, where you should shop, like the whole process. And like, I find that thrilling as a means to, uh, connect to someone who is brand new to your, to your city. You get to show off where you're from. You get to help out. Uh, like that's a really cool thing to do. It's so valuable. And to be an a, a ally for someone who has probably been through a lot, like if, if they're going through a resettlement program, they've been through hell. That's sort of the straight truth of it. And like I remember uh, I picked up this kid. I was working with uh, the Lutherans and I took him to McDonald's on on like the way to his place. And he'd never, of course, been through a McDonald's drive through mm. And I got to order it. And then like in 40 seconds, it's done. And he was like absolutely <laughs> beside himself that a hamburger could be made in 40 seconds. And it was like the coolest experience ever. And I just think like that, that kindness, mm-hmm. you know, that connection to someone, um, man, like I'm not saving the world, but like I'm buying some dude a hamburger and <laughs> he's having a very American experience through McDonald's, of course. And like, that's a great thing. And so I just think that we can we really can do way more than we think. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Like, well, I'm not a humanitarian, so I'm going to check that off because I will never be one. And man, I just think if you find the right little pocket of things to do, uh, there's joy there, there's connection there, there's impact, there's relationship. And I think God also really calls us to those things, man. I just don't, I look at kind of what Christ calls on our life, the way the way that he lived his life, who he spent his time with. Man, we are really, really good at ha- like hanging out with folks who think like us, look look like us, talk like us, believe the same crap that we that uh, we believe, and um, I, I just think that's a big push for people in this country, especially now with kind of division and all that we, we go through. Man, I just think that there's some powerful ways that we can be a really cool witness to people who don't believe the same things as you, even if they're American, of course, um, mm-hmm. and how we build relationships and friendships across those things. And I love that. I just think that's sort of like what maybe our our kind of call can be um, if you're not going to travel around the world, and that's fine. Here at Daily Growth Discipleship, we believe that each person has been called by God to serve others in a unique capacity. You have gifts, talents, and abilities to serve the people around you in ways no one else can. But as Justin talked about in this chapter, there are seasons of your life that will bring about different expressions of the vocation which God has called you to. So for today's challenge, I want you to ask yourself, what kind of season are you in right now? Are you pushing outside of your comfort zone to serve others? Perhaps you need to take more risks and begin stepping out more. Or perhaps you are nearing burnout and are in a transition period and you need to slow down and rest a bit. Don't feel guilty for whatever season you're in. Trust that God has called you to that season because he wants to use it to grow you 
and to serve those around you. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Justin's work, check out justinzarati.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Justin unpacks the value of focusing on relationships in everything we do. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Oh,